Well, why don't you go? Who? Record the goddamn I did. Thing. I pressed record already. Well, Jesus fucking Christ. Why well, you always got to make me guess it's just out of this world. I just gave you the signal. What I was said, the signal? <laughs> I said, go. 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 Go away. Hi. Oh, hi there. Hello. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> to the 112th episode of the Disturbingly Pragmatic Show. Dave and Paul. Here to make it smile at bird. Where is your energy? My energy is where it always is. E-N-E-R-G-Y. No, it's the fact that uh, my tooth was worked on yesterday. Yes, this is the reason why we did not sit and record, because David got prepped for a crown. Yeah, so now I'm sitting here with Hey, girl, hey, uh. No, but... um, (laughs) I want a scepter, too. Do you think my dentist will also give me a scepter? From Fierce Drag Jewels. Those things are so expensive. But uh, yeah, so you got fitted for a crown, so you were there was a lot of... Um, drilling. Drilling mm-hmm. in your mouth and your jaw. They had to refill me with the anesthesia more than once. <laughs> they had to refill you, all yeah. right. Uh-huh. Oh. But uh, yeah. So I just basically said, I feel something. I should not be feeling yeah. anything. That's because you are a redhead. Yeah. Yeah. We need more anesthesia than Which other people. Is- which is so interesting to me. We're special. I need lots of medication and anesthesia because I'm just having a crazy high tolerance. Yeah. Ridiculous. So you just, you skip the Oxycontin altogether and just go straight to fentanyl. Do you, re- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Give me the patch. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Thank you. Right here. Right here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Mm. But remember the time my back. Mm-hmm. It was so bad that we called the ambulance to come bring me. The Be- ambulance? The ambulance. <laughs> yeah. Beep, boop, beep, boop. No, that's Europe. Beep, boop, beep, boop. <laughs> so, Just some guy on the roof. Beep, boop, <laughs> beep, boop. <laughs> David, you just solved the world's work <laughs> shortage crisis, Seriously. apparently. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Get the fuck out of the way! You can earn minimum wage by sitting on top of a box cube car we strap you down <laughs> we provide extended medical health specifically for esophageal coverage <laughs> i don't know because they gotta make the noise with their their mouth with, yeah. sorry the noise with their mouth yeah. i have very um tongue-tied <laughs> speech this evening so no shit you don't say you don't see. you don't say but no remember what did he the- say he said didn't say Who's on first? Who? What? 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 So remember, I went to the hospital because of my back. You just my... pointed so gaily, like your how little else? Ar- your no, your <laughs> arm just did the gayest point how I've else? ever seen in my how life. How else am I supposed to point? I don't know, but not like suddenly. Oh, is it your because wrist, it's because I break my wrist? You did the wrist thing, like Patty cake it's on like, that wrist. Dun, 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 no, I'm sorry. Dun, sorry, I come from a different era. Than oh, you. God, here the we go. The wrist thing is one of the tells, like the earring on the wrong side. Well, my wrists are incredibly floppy and slappy. Okay, okay, well, because I talk it with my hands. I talk it with my hands. <laughs> like, because are I you do- Danny Nucci from Titanic? <laughs> I'm coming to America. Oh my God, like ridiculous. So. Hospital, yeah. get there. Yeah. Ambulance comes. Ambulance, yeah. Right? Remember? They lift me up gingerly mm-hmm. onto the thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, your elevator is a little bit smaller. This was before they were yeah. refurbished. Yeah. So we're unfortunately going to have to 
stand, like yeah, lift stand up your back, and I couldn't bend. So the guy gave me apparently a shot of whatever it was, morphine, something, whatever, and it did nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It was heroin. Get to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. It was heroin, yeah. Get to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I get wheeled in, and I'm on the gurney. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting there. I'm waiting there. Agony. My back is just spasming out of control. Yeah. Anyways, so they put me into this little area where all the crutches are hanging. So kind of like a supply closet area. The, ho- the horror room, yeah. they call it? And they give They're me hanging on meat they hooks. give me another shot of the same thing. Wait a little bit, nothing. Yeah. Then they go to the one up, which I can't remember what it was. But Percocets. something like something along those lines. Like it was, you know, whatever. They give me that. We wait a little longer. Still. Same pain level, no change. So then they said, Okay, let's do a shot of ketamine. So I get a shot of ketamine. Wow. Because you're a cat. And then the ketamine kinda worked. But not really. But I had to wait extra long because there's like apparently a, a window for yeah. your next dose. Yeah, sudden, suddenly it all hit you at once. No, I was, a, I was awake shit. that entire night. Yeah. That entire night. They sent me for x-rays or whatever. That was fun. Because mm-hmm. then they're like, okay, we need you to, you know, haul your fat ass onto this table. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, sure. You can't move, but great. Let's try it anyways. Mm-hmm. And then I was so parched that night. I was so dry. I guess the medication, like, it dries you out. And I could not get anyone. As dry as you are right now? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to point these things out. Thank you. No, no. Good. I could not get a person to come and give me water. And then all of a sudden, 6 a.m., those curtains fly open. And the guy's like, okay, you can go home now. Nothing. And I'm still in pain. Yeah. He's like, here you go. It's like basically like Tylenol 1s, which are nothing. Yeah, you can get those over the counter. Jesus. I can snort that shit and not feel anything. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So anyways, high tolerance as well over here. But I'm not. Maybe. I do have red throughout my beard and my hair. Maybe I have a little bit of that gene. Maybe you, know? you do. You never right? know. Because my Maybe gr- we should get your DNA tested. Oh, yeah. I I just feel like that's kind of like a scam, too. No, it's not. It's proper. Like, the DNA gets tested. But the fact of the matter is, anybody in your family who's committed a crime, best watch out. Well, then we we may need to rethink this, then. Why? Because I feel like there's people in my extremely large family that are probably... Well, then go and do it. (laughs) No, seriously, I would do it. I would do it. Would because you? absolutely, because that, you've been opposed to that before. You're like, oh no, someone's gonna have my DNA. <laughs> <laughs> they're, gonna do, they're gonna do so many things with my DNA. Is that how I sound to you, <laughs> Paul? We can't do it because of the DNA. The they're gonna go at the computer. <laughs> computer sound. I'm hacking into the mainframe. I know this. It's a Unimatrix one. It's a Unix-based CD-ROM drive system. Uh, 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 uh. Anyways, the DNAs. Seriously. No, but I'm talking from the standpoint, if it means that somebody in my family who is guilty of some sort of sex crime could get caught for doing it. it, then I'm all for it. Right. But I don't want anybody having my DNAs. I don't. But what if there's some like random 
thing in there, probably. Maybe. Like, coincidence, and I'm gonna, oh, I'm, uh, I'm part so-and-so, because my DNA told me that, <laughs> that I am 1% blank. I'm gonna be that insufferable white person. You know the people, they're like, well, actually, I am blank, because I'm 1% blank. Why is your DNA voice like a valley girl? Because it's oh, DNA. God, it's DNA. It's DNA. Will you take the 105 of the Cipilla Boulder <laughs> to the 405 of it? the Pacific Coast Highway? Dionucleos something. What? What's DNA for Sanford again? Oh, I have something acid. Mononucleosis. No, that's something else. <laughs> Mononucleosis? No. So what the hell are we talking about right now? No, we were just talking about so you the going DNA. To, yeah, no, you going to the hospital and not getting... Yeah, so drugs. maybe we have some things because you were yeah. talking about your tooth. Exactly. Yes. So it's so back to me. Yeah, so hopefully a couple of weeks you'll get the new, the proper yep. crown. Yep. Because so they, they took lots of impressions. Good. But my tooth is sore right now. Did you this take some acrylic... more ibuprofen? No, I forgot. You need to take the ibuprofen. Right, you're you're allowed to take it. I can't take it, so you're lucky. All right. Well, anyway, I'll take it, and uh, hopefully that will make it feel better. But I've got like an acrylic tooth cap on my tooth right now, and uh, so they're just building the tooth now at some faraway lab. Yeah. But I love this dentist. I've been going to this dentist literally since I was twenty four. That's a long time. Yeah, like more than half my life. That is a long time. Yeah, because the dentist that I went to before this guy yeah. was one my mother recommended to me mm. because I was in between dentists. And I right. believe I've told this story on the podcast before, but I'll just refresh your memories as to the horrifying situation I found myself in when dealing with my mother's fucking dentist. Mm-hmm. This guy obviously had been a dentist for 56 years. He looked like he was probably schooled somewhere in the 30s. Right. So this is Because like, this would have been 1994. So this is like Flintstone era type of... Yeah. Uh, like, to the point that he did not put on gloves. I am a dentist. You'll be a dentist. <laughs> but seriously, he didn't put on gloves. Mm, was he smoking? Did I ruin it? Did he smoke? Yes, Paul. While he was in your mouth. While he was in my mouth. It explains a lot He stopped the procedure. To ash. To start smoking. Nice. Without gloves. Mm. And Paul, I'm not even even enjoying speaking the word smoking. Got it. I don't like even talking about the paraphernalia of doing such a thing. Mm -hmm. I hate the word cigarette. I can't (laughs) stand it. It's gross. It's fucking gross. People who smoke, stop it. <coughs> Excuse me. That was just great. I'm sorry. I just, it's disgusting to me. <laughs> I fucking, I, no, I mean, like, it's so repulsive to me that in 2022, people still do this fucking buffoonery. It is an addiction and it's like a substance. Yeah. People get addicted to it. <laughs> anyway. Hello. I don't even know what I was talking about now. Terrible. I know. I went off the rails because I just was. It's not really important. But what what is important? No, what was I talking about? Remind me. Remind me. But no, I want to move on to the next thing, anyways. Because we we like to talk about 
entertainment-y type things. Things were excited about Oh, no, about it was it about the dentist. Okay, go talk about So anyway, dentist. so that was a horrifying experience for me. I wanted to finish off that story. It was about the dentist who fucking started smoking midway through the job. I'm surprised I didn't just jump out of the chair and go, you know what? Fuck you, fucking, I'm leaving. Goodbye. Yeah. But I didn't. He's obviously dead now. No, he's still practicing. Oh, my God. He uses the pedal drill. The pedal drill? Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> Because I saw that in use in Murdoch Mysteries. Mm-hmm. I just remember it because that's what he uses. That's he's horrifying. Like, this is my favorite one. Uh, Steve horrifying. Martin in uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop. Little shepherd horrors, bop bop. Little shepherd tears, do do up. You love that movie. Uh, that's From one. The year you were born. Yeah, it's one of my favorite musicals. I went and saw that with the piano teacher who molested me. That's one of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> there are several of my really fond movies that I enjoy. <coughs> yeah, that you were. Yeah, that I saw with him. Mm-hmm. There yeah. were many of the 1980s movies that I saw with him. Yeah. 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 Like Stand By Me. Mm-hmm. And now that I think about it in context, mm. he must have loved certain scenes from Stand By Me. He must have just loved, because yeah. you know what? Those would be the same scenes that I loved from Stand By Me. Mm. But was appropriate for me to love from Stand By Me. Yeah, right. Fully, fully appropriate. Right. And by the way, I loved Jerry O'Connell. I know you did. You oh had God. actually. I loved all four of them. I you were you were lusty over them. Oh, I was. Well, I was thirsty. Yeah. Well, you were how old again? It was uh, like in 1985. I was 13. Oh, okay. So yeah, I was, and I'd already been having sex uh-huh. for a year by then. I was such a little whore. Such a little himbo. Oh, yeah, but it was damage. Yeah, it was damage. damage. Well, apparently, speaking of damage, are we going to go into this first? Yeah, sure. Do you want to talk about this first before the movies and fun stuff? Actually, no. Let's talk about the movies first. Things we're excited about? Yeah, because, uh, you know, things that we're excited about, like Wednesday. Yes, the series Wednesday. Oh, my fucking God. That trailer... And the girl who's playing Wednesday, Jenna Ortega, she's been in so many things. Yeah. She was in the Virgin Jane, the Virgin. She played Young Jane, I think. Yes, and she was also in the Babysitter. And wasn't she the in movies, You? Both of them. She, I think, she was in a season of You as well. But she's such a great yeah. little actress. Yeah, the second Babysitter she was in. And uh, what a great little actress! Like so fantastic, very charismatic. And when you look at her as Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Well, she was also in she that. She looks movie. like Wednesday. She was also in the movie X, wasn't she? Oh yeah, yeah. Which is one of my favorite movies, and I'm gonna we're gonna talk about that next month. Mm-hmm. And I uh, can't wait for the upcoming Pearl too. So, but no, I th- I think I'm so so looking forward to Wednesday. Yeah, that's end of this month, I think September twenty. Oh, was it today? No, it's not today. No, 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 no. But we just started watching another show. Oh. Called so reboot. This I had no I, I hadn't heard about this show. Yeah, not even going to spoil it for you, but basically the whole premise is that they reboot this show that was popular, I believe, in the late nineties. No, it's so literally the synopsis is okay, basically <laughs> follows an early two thousands family sitcom. Yeah, that the network like actually Hulu has rebooted, and their dysfunctional cast that must deal with their unresolved issues in today's fast changing world. Yeah. So they released the first three episodes. 
and they're so good. This it's it really is hilarious. Like I said, it's giving me a couple different feelings of other shows, mm-hmm. but I like the mouth. Um, I it's uh, reminding me of that show episodes. Yeah, the British because one it's, it's a be- yeah, it's behind yeah. the scenes. Yes, in the film business, and you know the funny thing is, have worked in the behind the scenes of the film business. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how how well they get it. Right, right. <laughs> but of course, they're going to get it well because these people actually work in the film business. Well, you'd hope because they could and also put on like a veneer, right? But they're observational writers too. But the writing in it is brilliant, and Paul Reiser is in it, and he's amazing. Yeah, and Keenan Michael Michael Key is in it. Um, Jordan Michael Key. Jo- no, Jordan Peele no, and Keegan Michael Key. Keegan Michael. Yeah, you're Key. right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he's fantastic. Thank you. But he's fantastic in everything he does. Yeah, it's called Johnny Knoxville, which he's actually been hilarious. Oh my god! And and who played um, the mom to the kid? Oh, Judy Greer plays the mom. No, oh, no. you. <laughs> the one Carrie Kenny Silver. Yeah, Carrie Kenny Silver, who is one of our favorite people of she all time, makes me crack up. I would love to have her on this episode on our podcast. I would be so. I I don't know if I could do that. I would be so nervous. Oh no, she'd be fantastic. Know, Are you but kidding? So, but it's also got. Um, I would be so nervous. But I, would you? I, I. You know what? There have been a lot of people who have written in saying that she would make a great guest. So maybe what I'll do is I'll take this clip and I'll put it on the, the affairs of social media. The affairs of social media. And maybe she'll go, you know what? These little gays, I like them and I'm going to do it. And since <laughs> Kevin Allison did it, I know they're safe. <laughs> I know, but I'd be so nervous. She's she's big. Anyways. Um, <laughs> not not as big as we are. Uh, there's also Rachel, Rachel Bloom is in it. She's really, really funny. She was in um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So she's funny, but, but no, it's uh, this such guy, a great Caleb Worthy. I I've seen him in other Which stuff. One is he, he plays the the grown up little kid. Oh from yeah, the and the sitcom. little kid. One of the funniest lines though from it so far, <laughs> and we both laughed heartily at this. Was the first time you see the grown up kid, and this is the only thing that I'll spoil. Is basically where he. What does he say? Oh, you're going to put me on the spot and I'm not going to remember. You know what? It's it's something along the lines of we're all the same now because we've all had sex. Yes, that's exactly what he said. And it's so funny. He goes, it's great to be back. It's it's cool. It's cool to be back. It's cool because we've all had sex now. Yeah. And it's so funny because like the kid's meant to be 24. Guy who's playing him is probably like 45. Who knows? I think he's around my age. Well, he's a little bit younger. He's been in other things, but he was in something where he was a killer or something. Oh, really? Oh, I have yeah. to look it up. But what else? What else have we been watching? Yes. So I think we've talked about this on the after show, but Ghost Whisperer. Good God. Jesus. We are struggling to get through the last little bit of Ghost Whisperer because, um, wow. Yeah. Like it really jumped the shark. And mm. now there's like special powers involved. And now it has the exact same thing that I absolutely love to enter a show at any given moment. The cousin Oliver element. The young child. The young child. Yeah. Who's cousin Oliver. We need to get a cute kid in here. <laughs> but the the kid in it is just like, you know what? I'm sure he's doing the best that he can. But boy, howdy. It's like Wesley Crusher. With the, I didn't uh, mind him. Go off on that. I liked him in the show. Okay. Okay. You know Ooh, what? Just, Wesley Crusher. Yes. No, I'm not saying that I didn't like Wesley Crusher. Oh, Crusher's I see. Because I liked Wesley Crusher. I know you did. Yes. <laughs> Will Wheaton. <laughs> if you want my number. <laughs> oh my god, David. <laughs> anyway, and he's got a nice beard too. We'd be like Velcro <laughs> kissing Will Wheaton. Come on up, Leonard. 
Leonard's made such a woeful cry there. But anyway, um, yeah, so Ghost Whisperer has jumped the shark officially. I miss Jay Moore. You know, as much as I like Jamie Kennedy in uh, Scream. Yeah. Not so much in this compared to Jay Moore. But anyway, that's enough about Ghost Whisperer. Ghost Season 2 is coming out. Oh, yeah, that is. That's right. It is coming back. That's one of my favorite shows. I did not like that show to begin with. Well, it was, they, if you watch the first, I think it's either four or five episodes, more likely four. It changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the no, The filming it does. style changes, the way that they approach everything changes because they were trying to find their footing. The comedy is a, a lot less forced. But it's a reboot. I mean, sorry, it's a copy because of the British, British one. version, yeah. which we've never seen. No, but that's the thing, right? So I think they were trying to bring that sort of element over but it works better because it, I think if, especially supernatural things, I feel like you need to have a level, like there's a certain filming style that you need to have for it to kind of work. Mm-hmm. I think they were trying to approach it like, um, uh, um, like, uh, what is it? The point of view, single point of view, like the interview type of thing, mm-hmm. like they did for the office and stuff, but it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't work. Right. No, I, I personally, I love, I love it. No, I think that it's, I think that it's, it's a roof. It's just fresh. Like, it's so funny. And I like that they rotate out the ghosts and not all ghosts are in it every time. Right. And everybody gets a chance to shine. Mm-hmm. And I just love the setting and and the actors. And yeah, no, it's a very funny show. Yeah. So I'm excited for Turned into two. one of my favorite shows. Yes. From last year. Abbott Elementary too. Abbott Elementary. And we're just uh, comes- seeing it. Yeah, that comes back, back today. I think it premieres today. Yep, today or tomorrow or yesterday. Well, we'll be remember. watching it. Um, so that looks good. We, I really like that. And, and one I, other thing, mm-hmm. Dahmer. Yeah, the one on Netflix. That looks good. It's a series. It's ten episodes, yeah, I know. and I can't wait to watch it because Jeffrey Dahmer was like so big when I was um, basically oh, yeah because it was the late eighties, early nineties. Right, he was killed in nineteen ninety four. I think. Mm. But, uh, like, it was such a huge story back in the day. The whole idea of this guy who had basically butchered all of these young gay men and kept their bodies around in the apartment to, to the point where the apartment was stinking of death. And again, Ugh. if you've smelt death, yeah, yeah, that yeah. is a very pungent smell. It is a smell that you know when you smell it, what it is. There's no question. The moment you smell it, you know, oh, there's some dead shit around here. Mm-hmm. Something has died. <laughs> There's no question. It's not going, you know, what is that? It's odd. I, I, it's familiar. Right. No, there's no such thing as that. And and uh, I just find the trailer interesting when you hear her say, Nisi Nash's character say, I smell your, what's that weird smell coming mm-hmm. from your apartment? And I hear screams. I'm excited that she's in this too. Yeah. I and mean, it's I like a her. completely serious role. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking around and funniness here. No, not at all. It's not like she's going to be in Scream Queens. <laughs> and it's like a funny role. No, this is like a completely serious role and uh, good for her. But it looks creepy as fuck. It's amazing, though, again, when it, it's another example of the uh, marginalization with regards to police officers giving a shit about marginalized mm. communities. Like we've seen this time and time again, like yeah. we saw it with the, the, the trail of tears mm-hmm. uh, in British Columbia. Yeah. And we saw it with the MacArthur mm-hmm. case in Toronto. We've seen it in other cases where gay men disappear or something. And, Oh, well that's just a bunch of fags taking care of themselves. That's pretty much 
what you get from the police until suddenly there's a public pressure over it. Well, this is an exa- prime example again of of like like the gay community sort mm-hmm. of getting left behind by the police, especially because most of the victims in this case were people of color too. Right. So they're even more marginalized than just the gay community. They're people of color in the gay community. Mm-hmm. And again, with the the MacArthur case in Toronto, they really didn't take notice until suddenly it was a white guy that was missing. Oh, of course. Right. Typical. You know, and so it's, it's quite something. It's quite something. And I think this will be a very interesting series. And I think that they cast the right guy. I think that he's such an amazingly versatile actor. Mm-hmm. Like he's a, he's one of those actors that, you know, was born an actor. Yeah. Like he's just one of those ones that he just, looks like he's always been something like it's it's effortless to him seemingly even though i'm sure he puts a lot of effort into it it's like when you see a gymnast who's like a perfect 10 right right where it looks like they're just so effortlessly floating across but you don't (laughs) see all the work that goes into it but he's a fantastic actor and i think he's going to do this role really creepily so, yeah, so I'm excited. I hope that they release all of it at once. Yeah. Well, it's all released. Yeah, it's today. Oh, is it today? Yeah, we could watch it right after oh, this. Oh, okay. They released all episodes? Ten. Okay. Yep. Good. They didn't stagger it. No, it's Netflix. It's mm. not another guy. No, they series. were talking about that. Really? Yes. They were going to do that? They were talking about do- starting to do that, like put out one a week or a couple a week. Fuck that. Yeah, right? We're not going backwards, goddammit. We need to be able to binge everything in one day and <laughs> then you. bitch about it for the next year when we don't yeah. have anything to watch. Yeah, exactly, right? I fucking hate that, though. But they want, like, the ability to, you know, because you, you, you get a short period of time and then it kind of disappears and fizzles, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, if you prolong it a little bit, then you are kind of have that discussion that continues for a lot longer Yeah. versus a short, right? Yeah. Well, do you know what I like? <laughs> Finding a show like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah. And having 15 seasons that I have to be You're obsessed with that show. Oh, I'm enjoying it so much. There are so many good po- parts in this. Like, they put in some comedy and stuff. And I work with some of the people that were behind it back in the day. Because mm. I worked on another one of their shows. So it's very interesting to see the... Can- because, you know, working in the Canadian film industry, there are a lot of actors that just basically pop up in everything all the time. Right, okay, yeah. So it's funny to see all these people that I've worked with over the years in Murdoch Mysteries. And I'm like, oh, I kind of want to go and tour their set. (laughs) Didn't you play that uh, police officer in uh, so-and-so? Yeah. And didn't you also play a constable in something? Yeah. And then a detective? (laughs) Yeah. Just the same. (laughs) And there's funny because you have the the character actors in Toronto who always play a detective, Mm. who always play a cop, or always do this. But uh, yeah, no, it's cool to see. It's just cool to see. So the other thing that I did, I promised last week... Yes. That I was going to talk about Jeanette McCurdy's book, I'm Glad My Mom Died. Mm -hmm. And I actually listened to it on Audible. It was just about seven hours. I was listening to it yesterday while I was in the dental chair. While you were getting your face drilled? Yeah, pretty much. But I was listening to it, and, and I have to say, it was a very, very interesting first person account. Okay. Of what it's like to live with a parent who has undiagnosed mental illness Mm. and stage parent manipulation. 
Got it. Interesting. Okay. Because it is the... Now, I'm not going to give a lot of details because I don't want to obviously spoil her story right, for her right. because it's her book. And, and you know, I really do believe that she earns every cent that mm-hmm. she makes from it because it's, you know, is it the best written book on the planet? No. You know, she she's not Dan Brown, you know, writing a, a thing, but she's it's very, very, you know, the overall feeling that I had at the end was sadness. Sadness for her, for what she went through with her mother, who at the time was her best friend. Right. You know, it's again one of these things where parents in these positions, I've seen it a lot in the film business, were stage parents, where you can tell which parents are the ones who are forcing their kids into the thing versus the kids who really want to be there. And usually it's children with really weird names. <laughs> okay. Because you know that when the parent names their child Starlene mm. or some shit like that, yeah. like they're thinking about their child's name up in lights while they're actually naming their child. That's not the child wanting to do this. That's the parent, you know, the John Benet Ramsey types. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. John Benet Ramsey did not want to be. You know, some sexualized four-year-old, you know, a, a beauty pageant, whatever. Yeah. But her mother did that shit. Of course. Gee. And she's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's why we know of John Benet Ramsey as this sexualized toddler who had a death mm-hmm. that was horrific and has yet to be solved for some reason. Yeah. I roll my eyes with you, Paul. I roll my eyes with you. <laughs> yeah. Because I do believe that the people need to know that you rolled your eyes at that one. So what is, um? so tell me about, like, is so, there anything that, like, stood out? Yeah, there was a lot that stood out. There were, you know, because there are a lot of reports of what's in the book. So there, you know, it's easy to find certain details, like the fact that her mom showered her. Right. Until she was of you know eighteen years old or however old. Let me like take a look it up. I want to make sure that I'm actually saying the right things. Uh, Put your glasses on. I don't need my glasses. As you're squinting at your notes. Her mom wiped her butt at eight years old. Wow. You know what I mean? And was going to do it until she was ten. Like, like these sorts of things. And hmm. she gave her breast and vaginal exams. It was just awkward place to live. But they they lived in a hoarder house. Mm, okay. Like, there, there's a lot of undiagnosed mental illness right. in the mom. And, you know, like, there's a whole thing with the dad. And and mm. I don't want to ruin the whole surprise with the dad. But it's quite the surprise. Even I was sitting there listening to the book. And I just went like this at one point. I went, <gasps> You gasped. I did. Because it was one of those things that I wasn't expect to right. shoot out of the mouth. But then suddenly it happened. And I was like, <gasps> Wow. So there is quite a, quite a couple of those particular moments for Jeez. me. And I don't want to spoil them, no. unfortunately. But I look just just take my word for it. Yeah. Get the book and read it because there are some really interesting things in there. But again, it just tells the story of a girl who was not interested in acting, who mm. just was doing it to please her mom. A mom who basically manipulated uh uh, eating disorders into her daughter mm. anorexia at first and then bulimia and she talks she talks of her uh, you know her alcohol abuse uh, issues and you know all of these different things and it's sort of separated into the before where her mother's alive and everything and it sort of starts off from when she's a young girl right and she's 
taking us through her journey of becoming somebody who goes from a, a, an extra to a featured extra to, you know, a guest performer to, a, a, you know, a featured performer, like, mm-hmm. and then finally to her series regular mm-hmm. uh, on iCarly. And, uh, you know, she speaks very glowingly and lovingly about her friendship with Miranda Cosgrove on that show because apparently she really connected with her and that's uh that's a real deep thing because there's a lot of times that that co-stars don't get along yeah which you hear, is, you hear it all the time right but it goes over it goes you know over the fact that uh you know she had like a fever of 103 and she still went out to audition for something because mm-hmm. she had just been signed on this you know but again it's this pressure that they don't have money in the house Right. And then suddenly she's the one making all this money. But it was the mother who wanted to be a star. Mm-hmm. It was the mother who wanted to be an actress. And, you know, again, it was the mother who put all of this pressure on her. And when she's, you know, she was very underweight. Like a, she was apparently using a booster seat at 14 years old. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, like she was so tiny and her mother's tiny too. But again, it's all about keeping a weight. And then yeah. she was getting her breasts and, and her mother said, well, you, we can try, you know, cal- calorie, you know, reduction or, mm. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, there's a lot shit of abuse. Ke- yeah. Shit to keep your weight at a specific thing so yeah. that you can fit into a very specific category. But she describes having bulimia and she's throwing up on this first class flight that she's taking to uh, Australia in order to you know wow. do this uh, netflix thing and uh, and she's throwing up in the first class bathroom on the plane and she feels her tooth fall out because she, she'd oh been throwing God. up so much but i mean it's just wow. it's you know there's just so much abuse in her background that was manipulative and horrible and it makes you question whether the mom even knew what she was doing with it mm. because you know as as Jeanette sort of basically points out as the fact that she misses her mother she loved her mother but you can have a very complex relationship with your family absolutely and this is so on display in here and it wasn't until after her mother died like years later that she's in therapy and coming mm-hmm. to the, all these realizations of just how much damage her mother's bringing her up right. did to her right and that's the one thing about parents you know like I, I really wish the parents would understand especially ones that are going to get divorced or whatever is that when you have kids so few people can see this but it ceases to be about you right like Mm -hmm. You don't matter. Your child now matters. What's going on with your child matters. If you and your wife or your husband are going to get separated or split up or whatever, you have to do everything in your power not to use your child as a weapon. And there's a lot of that in here with the father who's like, he's, you know, described to him getting kicked out to the car to sleep for a month. Yeah. You know, yeah, all this. When, like, yeah, it's the, when they put the children in between, like you said, they, they utilize it as a weapon, they yeah. weaponize it, but also, or utilize it as a go-between where you, you are around like negative um, comments constantly yeah. from either side, right? Yeah, but that's exactly what yeah. happens here, mm-hmm. is the mother puts down the father all the time, and right. the mother puts down the father all the time, and of course... Jeanette is sitting here trying to broker 
the family relationships. She's like trying to clean things and get people on a schedule. Not like it's yeah. like it's the whole idea of the child being the goddamn parent. Mm-hmm. And you and I have both had, you know, experience with with seeing that in other people and being able to point it out. Mm-hmm. And it, but that's what happens when the child has to become the parent to the parent. So that's what happened here. And it's just, it's very sad to hear that again, that she feels like her formative years were like, she'll never get those back. And no, but she'll, you know, I think they, uh, you know, they say, you know, I've read that, you know, when you don't get to experience your, your youth in a, in a, in a traditional way, you tend to experience or have, elements um later in life that represent those Mm -hmm. type of situations right Mm -hmm. you know they say usually you know if you didn't have the opportunity to be like a child or teenager a lot you know come your late 20s early 30s you tend to have those moments and go okay this is where i'm going to experience my my like adolescence type of situation right Mm -hmm. Well, it's also interesting, though, is that she doesn't name him by name, mm. but Dan Schneider appears in this quite a bit. Right. He's known as the creator. Mm. She doesn't actually name him Dan Schneider. Right. She calls him the creator. And I think that that is basically a real deep nod mm. to the damage that that bastard did to these kids that worked under him. Right. You know, allegedly. Right. But I'm pretty sure... If she, well, that's why you know, no, it, not saying his name. Mm-hmm. It, there's a couple speaks volume. You could see it in a couple ways, right? I think there's a few ways that you can look at that, right? You but, can look at the, it from more like a practical way, like a pragmatic type of way, like literally could just be legal. Oh no! Or, because everybody knows who the creator is. No, of course, but again, you when you put it into words and you put it into writing, you get legal involved, and there could be you know, hassles and everything like that. But then you have your, you know, what you're trying to say here. Um, Another way of viewing it is, you know, it speaks louder than words, right? To not utilize the name, right? It's like Voldemort. Mm -hmm. It's totally Voldemort. Yeah. Well. But it's like, she doesn't even want to say his name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, but I think that that says it because she goes over the fact that he was emotionally abusive Mm -hmm. and this, and that, you know, there was a point in time where he used to be on set all the time, but then Nickelodeon had him separated from the set because of all of the rumors about how his behavior was on set, mm. how he was emotionally abusive and all this to to people under him. There was a lot of shit behind the scenes there that Nickelodeon is responsible for covering up about Dan Schneider. Oh, absolutely. Allegedly. Allegedly, but absolutely, right? And and and, and the fact that they offered her $300,000 in hush money mm. at the end of this Sam and Cat show, mm-hmm. where basically they said, we'll give you $300,000, but you'll have to sign this paperwork that says you'll never speak, you know, about your, your experience on the show, blah, 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 blah. And she basically told them to go fuck themselves. Good. And what she said to her team was, this is hush money and I'm not going to take it. But it was 300 grand. That's a lot of money to turn down. Yeah, but good for her. But good for her for doing it because now she can write about it in this memoir. Mm -hmm. And it really is something that would say, like, for them to throw $300,000 her way so that she wouldn't talk negatively about her experience with this creator person tells you exactly everything you want to know. 
Nickelodeon knew what was going on, allegedly, mm-hmm. and fucking paid to cover it up. It's that simple. And it's disgusting. And, you know, it's like Corey Feldman, who basically says pedophilia is one of the biggest thing, problems in Hollywood. It is one of the biggest problems in Hollywood. It, he, it has to be rooted out. And, you know, if you think that the Harvey Weinstein and his ilk are the only ones that exist, there are a lot of Kevin Spacey's. And it's really repugnant that Nickelodeon would offer her $300,000 hush money just so that she wouldn't be honest about what she experienced on that show with this person that Nickelodeon has put in charge of children. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's, you know, you compare Nickelodeon or, you know, organizations like that to anything else involved that doesn't involve kids. Mm -hmm. If you take out the kids part, this is everyday business. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. But then you add, it's when you add the layer of the children. And that's when you should be doubly responsible for the people that you're hiring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and when you do hire someone, you know, because again, this is hyper aware. It's an open secret though, that this shit is going on. Right. You have to be hyper aware, like, you know, in your hiring process, because you can hire someone and then realize afterwards, or you could hear something, but that's the thing. As soon as you start to hear, then you put an L, you put an element in place and you go, okay, we need to investigate this. But that's the thing is that they had that, they knew what was going on. They did investigate it. Mm. And they let it happen because he was the biggest creator on their network. Right. Because he was behind the money. biggest star shows and everything on their network. Of course, it's all about money with them. Yeah. It doesn't matter the damage that you're doing to these kids. And when you take a look at people like Amanda Bynes, mm-hmm. look at what happened to Amanda Bynes. Yep. Look at what happened to Britney Spears. Look at what happened to her sister. Look at what, you know, and her sister, where the rumor is that Dan Schneider allegedly mm-hmm. is the father of that baby. Yeah. That she had when she was 16 years old. You know, because the other thing is with these stage moms come and stage parents comes the whole, we're going to turn and look the other way mm-hmm. when some powerful person wants to do something with our child for the child's career. Right. Because the casting couch has been such a huge part of the whole Hollywood experience for years, and there are enough people willing to play ball. It's just that simple. There are enough people willing to play ball. There are enough people who are so irresponsible with their children's safety that they're willing to overlook things that are obvious so that their child can have a starring role on this show. And then you wonder why these kids end up damaged individuals when they get older. Why they, why they end up on drugs mm-hmm. and dying from drug overdoses or, you know, being found, you know, robbing a bank or some shit. Like, I mean, there are so many stories of these kids who were used up by the system. And this is just another example of it. Although she wasn't, you know, she doesn't claim to have been molested or any such such that but just the emotional abuse that she went through the manipulative abuse that she went through that caused her to have eating disorders Mm -hmm. to cause her to have anxiety panic attacks and all these sorts of things everybody thinks that oh it's so great to have fame no it's not not with the cost that that it has in a lot of ways no because you, if you all you see are the fancy lights and the fancy this and the, all that shit, you don't see all of the negative shit in the background that goes on and how much you have to put up with in order to get where you are. And uh, when you when you aren't interested in acting and you're just doing it for somebody else, 
and then you're you're supposed to be the breadwinner for the family that gets us such a big responsibility mm-hmm. and good honor that she's able to put it down into a memoir and you know you can take the the name of the memoir in a couple ways right right like, like i also think that there's a second meaning there in the fact that she's glad that her mom finally died because of how sick she was right. and how many times it looked like she was going to pass away and then she didn't and she rallied but when you've been around anybody who's dying of cancer there comes that point in time where you're like, I love you. I don't want you to die, but I want you to stop suffering. Mm-hmm. And I, your death, as tragic and horrible as it is, you know, it will help you stop suffering. So I want your death. Right. And so, like, I think that there's a couple of reasons there, but the the, the end of the book is quite poignant. Mm-hmm. There's the end the end chapter. I found myself at the end of it. Just uh, sort of sitting there thinking to myself, oh, God, well, that was pretty moving. Mm-hmm. So do yourself a favor. Go and read it. It's actually quite, you know, it's a very easy thing to get through. It's not that long. And um, it was neat to hear it from her voice, too. That's why I like audiobooks. Audiobooks? Yeah. yeah. I like especially autobiographies and, and memoirs and stuff when it's read by the actual person. Yeah, I just uh, I I like it because you get the inflection, obviously, right? You get the the emotion behind it, even though a lot of them they say, "Oh, don't put like necessarily like read it a little bit more, like just reading." Mm-hmm. But uh, I always like listening it, you know, from the author's point of view. But I find it interesting that that these stage parents have been around since the dawn of time. Yeah, since the dawn of movies, they've been around. Like the, one of the reasons why we have the Coogan Laws, they're called down in mm-hmm. Hollywood. It's named after Jackie Coogan, who was the the kid who was in the kid with Charlie Chaplin. It was okay. one. It was a very very successful silent film, and he went on to make over a million dollars as a silent film actor. But by the time he became an adult, he went to go and get his money, and his parents had blown through it. Oh my gosh! Jesus. So they so they did this legislation down there in in California to protect child actors, and so fifteen percent of what you make is put into a trust. Yeah, that's available to you when when you're eighteen. So those are the Coogan, yeah. you know, the Coogan. But trust. the rest of it is up for grabs. But no, I I don't. <laughs> at least that's what it was. I don't know if that's the accurate amount yeah. now. But but. He was the one who played Uncle Fester in the Adams Family mm. uh, TV show. Okay, and uh, he died, I believe, in 1984. Yes, if I do remember my dates, I do <laughs> believe that he died in 1984. And uh, yeah, so it's it's just yeah. And when you know about people like Judy Garland's parents, mm-hmm. uh, Judy Garland's mother, who was a stage mother, yes, and was very very like it affected her relationship with Judy Garland. But then, of course, Judy Garland grew up to be someone who died on the toilet. Yeah. You know, what a what a powerful, talented voice Judy Garland was and how Hollywood destroyed her. It's so upsetting. And yet that is the reality. Mm-hmm. When I met Ricky Mickey Rooney, he was the most miserable bastard. <laughs> and but you could tell like Hollywood does shit to you. Like what comes with fame comes with a big price. And a lot of the times these people go there, they're sensitive types to begin with. Right. And they live these experiences. Because it's a business at the end of the day. That's the thing. Yeah. And with all businesses, it's all 
it's just it's just media business but it's billions of dollars that's i think where the the difference is is that it's literally billions of dollars at any given moment and companies should be made to realize though is that yes somebody may make you money as a filmmaker as a creator as a whatever but if that person has used their position to break the trust of the general people around them, you know, like the Bill Cosby types, the Harvey Weinstein types. I don't give a flying shit if they shit out gold right. in yeah. the form of, of, of content. They don't deserve to be there. This whole idea that, well, just let a genius be a genius and, you know, we'll, we'll basically throw money at the shit that the, all their messes. Well, it's not just money that cleans these things up because it leaves emotional and mental scars that last for a lifetime. Right. And people like Jeanette McCurdy, you know, in its wake. And it's just, it's awful. We live in a horrible society. That's all I'm going to say. So there. So I think okay. that... Um, well, thank you for sharing that. Because, you know, I was thinking about uh, listening to it, but I appreciate you giving I, the lowdown. I think I'll listen to it again, actually. Yeah. You know, just to get a second look. But... Again, give it a listen. I'll let you listen to it. Okay. But it was was a good read. Nice. And I'm glad that she's on the path to recovery. Good. Yes. And I know, I absolutely know her writing all this stuff down Mm -hmm. has helped her in her recovery. Oh, it it only has to, right? Because when I let go of all the abuse that I suffered, that is the only time that I felt like a weight had been lifted Mm -hmm. and therapy has worked. Right. So... Once you let it out, <laughs> once you share it, it's no longer your dirty little secret. Right. It's no longer just yours to live with. Like people, you know, it's such a transcendent experience. So anyway, yeah, we have uh, another fun thing that we want to talk about before we go, though. Yes, absolutely. This is pretty uh, incredible, kind of crazy. <laughs> amazing story, right? So It's uh, hilarious. Is it's what hilarious it is. at the same time. Okay, so... Um, a few a while back in one of our episodes, right? We'll link it in the in the show notes. But number one hundred and two, you remember it? It's I'm pretty sure it's number okay. one hundred and two. Well, we'll double check. But check the show notes. So I had brought to the table. You know, we bring to the table funny news stories, things that we find either funny, sad. You know, you've been around long enough listening to us. So yeah. I brought to the table this sex device. <laughs> Which I thought was funny because of the article itself, but the fact that it was um, the next generation of this device. And what's the device? Paul? And it was called. It's called the Auto Blow. The Auto Blow AI Plus. AI Plus. Right. So no, I think you need to say it like this: the Auto Blow AI Plus. Mm. Auto blow. Auto blow. The auto blow AI plus. So I bring this to the table. We talk about it and we're joking about it, of course. And it got the reaction that you wanted. Yeah, it got the reaction that you wanted, because that I wanted. You didn't tell me. No, of it. course. Most of the things we try not to tell each other before mm-hmm. we kind of, you know, <laughs> discuss, right? Because we want to have our initial reaction be the reaction that you hear. Absolutely. Okay. So we record this episode. We. Put it out to the universe like we normally do. And I said at the end of it, after I basically said the guy who invented it, his name's Brian Sloan. Mm-hmm. But I said the guy who invented it, he looks like a porn star. 
Like I said, if you wanted to imagine who would have invented this thing, it would be this guy. And, you know, it's all because of the whole handlebar mustache. That's I the see only handlebar why. mustache. Yeah. <laughs> but then when I saw videos of him on the website right. where he's scanning vaginas and things, I'm like, oh, he would definitely be a porn star. If he, <laughs> you know, he definitely got some porn star fantasies in him. And you know what? I'd watch him. I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it. And, you know, not just because of his machine. <laughs> I would watch it. But no, the guy is a lawyer. Mm. He's he's an inventor. He's got several patents in, like, right. teledildonics. Yeah. Fucking love that word. But, so, but, but anyway, he... I said at the end of the episode, oh, well, you know, well, maybe if we get really big in the podcast, we should, you know, contact this guy to see whether we could get a taste test, you know, so that we could do a review. Right. And this was... A Saturday episode. Okay. Yes. But we were, but we released it on. It was the day that I I had to go and get the diabetes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got so the we diabetes. released it a little bit later. Yeah. So because we normally record on the Friday, I got the diabetes, so we had to record it on the Saturday, and we released it on the Sunday. Yep. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Just getting the timeline. <sighs> it's not important. Whatever. I want people to know. So, anyways, the next day after we we publish our episode. We get an email 10 hours later from the Brian, creator, Brian the, C- the CEO, CEO, the masterful manipulator of, of, of sex toys. The auto blow. <laughs> no, the inventor of the auto blow AI, AI plus, plus. Um, so voice yes. activated blow jobbery machine. Yes. So he reached out and said, hey, send me your address and I'll send you a machine. Oh, he goes, hey guys, it's the uh, it's the auto blow guy. <laughs> so I see this notification come up on my iPad mm-hmm. and it's Sunday night at around 11.30 or midnight and you were staying over at your friend's house that night. You were mm-hmm. having a sleepover party with your friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I texted you, and I'm like, what the fuck? I just took a picture of the notification, and I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the autoblow guy. And I'm, like, paying half attention, because it's super late at night, and I'm at a friend's house, and I'm, like, you know, enjoying my time. Yeah. So anyways, so, yeah, so he reached out, we and we talked about it, and we reached back out to him. We said, oh, my God, this is hilarious. Yeah. We would love, you know, for you to send us one. Absolutely. Here's our address. And, you know, we definitely would like to do a review of it. We're going to do a very honest review. I hope that you're okay with that. A taste test. There you go. That's what I call it. (laughs) A taste test? Okay. (laughs) So we're going to do this, right? So, um, yeah, so that's where we are right now. I I even asked. I said, (laughs) as long as you know, like, like as long as we can do an honest review of Of course. Because we don't want to be the types that are, like, going to get something and, like, just sit there and say, it was fantastic. No, absolutely Everything was wonderful. So, (laughs) we have received the machine. It came. It took took a few weeks. It it took a few weeks. It came in the mail. It got stuck at customs. (laughs) They had to open it. Yeah, they opened our 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 blowjob machine. Yeah, I'm slightly embarrassed by because that. Uh, I don't know. I guess it got flagged somehow. Well, no, when you look at it in in an X-ray device, oh, I'm sure it yeah. looks like a bomb or something. Who knows? Right? I'm sure it looks or they're like, like a bomb. oh, you're hiding drugs or something. And I'm like, no, there was no drugs in there. Sorry. The only thing being hidden is pleasure. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, babe. 
So yeah, so the news is it's here. And it's queer. Get used <laughs> to it. Hey. <laughs> and uh yeah, so we have it. We have um we've also experienced it. And uh we are going to discuss this in our next episode. <laughs> We've experienced it. Yes. That's your lovely way of saying, this thing blew our minds. We <laughs> are going to talk about it in our next episode. So stay tuned to 113. Yep. And we are going to drop our full review, unapologetic, unfiltered, un unbiased? Yeah, unbiased opinion. Yes. About the auto blow AI plus voice activated. Voice activated. <laughs> commands okay i can't wait and it's gonna be our friday episode and you know because it this is a friday night episode one i just realized our friday night episode is gonna be 113 (gasps) (laughs) anyways so that's it y'all that's it that's it for this for for tonight for tonight so thank you so much for joining us we hope that you've had a lovely listen and if you're looking for more DP pleasure, check us out on our socials. <laughs> We're always looking for DP pleasure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Check out our socials at Disturbingly Pragmatic. Let me try that again without the slur. At Disturbingly Pragmatic or at DP with DP on Twitter. You're just slurring because you're thinking of the pleasure. I know. Auto blow. Finish me. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> And if you want additional content like the after show, uh, musings, thoughts, stories, pictures, extra videos, whatever, check out our Patreon and uh, consider being a contributor. Yes, please. So there we go. That's it in a nutshell. Thanks for joining and we'll talk to you in the next one. Bye. Bye.